You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations. All while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. This is Fearless Business, and this is Robin Waite. Welcome back. This is episode 13 of the Fearless Business Podcast. It's me, your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. And today, I have the pleasure of inviting Angie McCullen onto the podcast. Angie is a confidence and career success coach. She specializes around topics in confidence, resilience, assertiveness, and career development. With over 20 years of research in her coaching specialisms, she works with people privately and one-to-ones, but also works with corporates too. So welcome to the podcast, Angie. Hi, Robin. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I hope you are too. So we always kick this off just with a very simple question, probably with a very complex answer, but um, tell us about Angie. <laughs> Such a broad question. Okay, so by day, I'm, as you've mentioned, a confidence and career success coach. Um, I work with people who basically hold themselves back into doing what they really want to do, which effectively ends up serving as a blockage into reaching new levels. Um, that's pretty much my day job. Uh, during the evening, you'll either find me with a guitar in my hands, singing my little head off, or um, on skates playing roller derby. Oh, no way. <laughs> what, acoustic guitar or electric guitar? Acoustic. Well, semi-acoustic. So, yeah. Uh, and how long have you been playing for? Oh, since I was four. <laughs> Played all my life. Oh, goodness. So you must be pretty good then. You, did you play in, in bands or is it just a kind of like a, a, you head off to a cupboard and start playing your guitar just to kind of... <laughs> a cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> so um i was in a band for about four years with my brother actually um that was a nottingham based band so that was cool but um it just kind of it it fizzled out eventually I mean, like the travel from bristol was getting a lot and my brother relocated to newcastle for a new job and it just kind of fizzled out so that was cool but i've been solo solo gigging since around about 16 then took a bit to be to be honest i did take a bit of a backseat for about 20 years um where i didn't really do much with the guitar and then in the last few years i've got back into it and only about three weeks ago i upgraded on my guitar to just a beautiful tailor machine and i can't put the damn thing down now i love it it's brilliant no way that's that's absolutely awesome um <laughs> and it's something which i didn't know about you i knew about the roller derby which in itself is quite <laughs> um you know in, 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 different um but in terms of um uh, the, the clients you mentioned, obviously, you're not specifically kind of targeting uh, entrepreneurs necessarily, but um, what is it about the clients which you work with, which kind of bring, brings them all together? Sure. I mean, I do work with entrepreneurs and I've, I've, I have and have had entrepreneur clients, um, but I, I basically just work with professionals, whether they're in employment or entrepreneurs. Um, and I think the key thing for me is um, a lot of people misunderstand when they say confidence or career success is that people might come to me saying, well, I, I don't know what I'm doing with my career. I don't know where I want to go next. I'm not sure what to do. And what I don't do is is take all that content from them and say, da-da, I think you need to be a paramedic or you know, need to be a data analyst. It's, it's nothing like that. People generally come to me because they they want to progress further than what they are doing. Um, they have the potential, they have the capability, but there's something that's stopping them and holding them back in doing that. So whether that's, for example, people might have uh, fear around speaking to the leadership team or they might have fear speaking up in meetings. Some people run off to private meeting rooms because they don't want to be heard by the open plan office um and people you know they have anxiety around public speaking so something that people want to be able to do to progress 
is is generally when they, they end up contacting me. Um, other times people maybe have, uh, let me think, maybe they get really nervous going into interviews or maybe, and a few people have come to me because they've had a really bad curveball thrown at them. So maybe they've lost the job, they've been made redundant, maybe it just hasn't worked out for them and their confidence has plummeted. So I work with those type of people as well. Um, what's really interesting as well, though, most people come to me for that their, their job being the motive um but so much of the time i work to a value-based system and it impacts on every area every area of their lives so it impacts on the marriages with the friendships with the relationships with the family with the kids so it has an overarching impact on the life but generally the thing that people notice first is the job because they spend you know eight hours plus a day working so um yeah that's, that's basically it and it's, I'm guessing for a lot of people, because it's not something you kind of just, you know, uh, things things are kind of just starting to go a little bit bad. And, uh, oh, right, I'll, I'll just go and give Angie a quick call. I'm guessing that for a lot of people, there's kind of a bit of an oh, fuck moment where they just think I've got to do something about this. So what? how does that tend to, and this is a bit of a, a sort of broad question, but how does that sort of show up? on a day-to-day basis you know why do people get in touch with you in the first place what's the catalyst sure so sometimes there is a, a specific event that's happened that's drawn them to me for sure um a lot of the time is because of the content that i release so i'll release um videos linkedin is my main platform i, I have a lot of presence on facebook as well but i'd say linkedin is my main platform because i'm working with professionals and that's generally where they all hang out um but i, I will release content around um, just like fear-based reactions, uh, fear of public speaking and caring too much what other people think, overcoming overwhelm and all these little videos that are anything between one and maybe five minutes um, I post on LinkedIn. And when people watch it, it resonates with them. And then it starts becoming a bit of a, it plants a seed into, oh my God, I didn't even realize that was something that I battle with until I heard you talk about it. You could have been talking about me. I get that so much. And then a lot of people then check out my website and then they read about what I can do and the types of people I work with. Um, they read my story as well because my, my personal journey is on there. And a lot of people said, you know, I can't even believe. Somebody said to me last week, or sorry, a few days ago, just for the weekends, like, it was either you're a very good salesperson or you were pretty much writing about me. And I get that type of feedback because it's, it's not such an unfamiliar story but many people don't even recognize it and or do anything about it so it's almost like I, I come along with this like a hallelujah moment to them when I just kind of post a little bit of content that hits the mark for them cool and that's quite interesting actually because um you know there are there are four stages of um sort of a buyer's journey if you like so th- through that point where that that uh, somebody's not problem aware they become problem aware but they're not solution aware it sounds mm-hmm. like you actually move them like right from stage one like whether move them from that sort of total lack of awareness around what it is that they're you know this problem's going on in their lives but they're actually not really fully aware of it you educate them and pull them into sort of step two where you're kind of like okay now you've got a problem but you now you need to start sort of finding a solution which I, I find is quite unusual most businesses tend to um sort of pick people up when they're um at stages three and four where they've kind of you know person's problem where they're solution aware and now they need a like they, they actually need a, a very specific solution mm. so in and it does sound to me as if um you know there's a lot of people out there and i'm guessing probably a lot of my listeners as well there's a lot of people out there who are um, just totally sort of, they're just unaware that they have these problems. So mm. are there symptoms which they might be presenting, you know, and, and typical things, I guess, will be things like anxiety or stress or, you know, that sort of thing. But what other sort of symptoms do you think might show up to kind of show people there might be a problem? 
Yeah. So just going back to what you just said, it's a really good point. And I, I don't think it's the same journey for everybody before they reach out to me. So um, there are some people where it's just a piece of content has been enough to trigger that, but it probably means that they're already feeling a bit miserable and they were like, oh my God, that's the, the, the missing key that I was looking for kind of thing. And then there's other people that have watched a number of my different pieces of content and just kind of subtly being following me in the background. And then, you know, it starts resonating that actually this is a recurring theme for them. So it's a little bit of both. It's not like every single person, they just watch one video and contact me. Um, I think the, for example, I posted one about, uh, God, it was just over a week ago. And it's a perfect example where I received, and it's just, it was actually quite a funny thing, but I've made a video. I got an email from somebody off the back of that first video saying, um, you hold the camera too close to your face. It shows up too many of your wrinkles. (laughs) Oh my God. So me. Um, but I thought, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity to create some content on this because I I knew that probably six or seven years ago or more or whatever, if somebody had said that to me, I'd have been straight onto Amazon Prime next day delivery buying some anti-wrinkle cream. So and it, it genuinely had absolutely no emotional reaction into me. So it demonstrated to myself how much I'd kind of come along in my own journey. But I also know that a lot of people are so affected by what other people think. So I used that particular email as a way to to, to promote about that every time people pass on judgment, it's fundamentally their own belief system, it's their own agenda, and therefore a reflection of them and the way that they see the world as opposed to reflection of the truth or, or anything about you. So, And that really hit the mark for people. And in a week, that had over 70,000 views, had a, about 1,000 likes and over 400 comments. So wow. sometimes some of them just go absolutely viral, and that's when you know you've really hit a mark that so many people resonate with and so many people contend with because people are so affected by what other people think. And then I've got some other videos in there about, you know, forgiveness and gratitude that might maybe get 2000 hits. So it really depends on the content and how big it goes. But I think that there's some general big areas that generally attract a lot more attention than others. And things like people pleasing, doing things people don't want to do because of how they're going to be perceived by others or how people are going to judge them, people passing judgment onto them, being resilient to other people's comments, that type of thing is when it really seems to hit a mark because regardless of how old you are, what gender you are, whether you're self-employed or you work for somebody else, these are um, psychographic differences that, sorry, psychographic similarities that basically impact us all. Well, I think what's interesting there, actually, you've you've highlighted quite a major sort of, um, I guess, problem, as it were, because a lot of my clients struggle with, I start to push them to put, start putting content out on social media and as a way of kind of um, connecting with their audience. And the yeah. moment they get one piece of negative feedback, they're like, oh, I can't possibly do Facebook ads because somebody trolled me on there. I, I can't, I'm not going to send out any emails because somebody replied and told me that I had a typo in it. You know, I went to a networking meeting and I just didn't like the people there because they were really standoffish with me because I was new. So you start yeah. to see all the, like, they put these barriers up. So yeah. if you could kind of dig into like what, what what sort of if you had a toolkit that you could give to coach consultant an entrepreneur who who is maybe starting to put up these barriers how could you help them to become a bit more resilient mm. well it's it's very hard to just give a wave a magic wand and you know fix everybody from something like a, a podcast yeah. like this but fundamentally it's understanding that those belief systems that they've generated aren't necessarily a reflection of reality 
but it's more likely to be underlined by fear because there's other things going on around their, their attachment to external validation, their attachment to perfectionism. And the way I view it is that it, it's a consistent thing. And I made a video again recently about this. If somebody repeatedly said to me, for example, that I was rude and I was getting that from almost everybody that I met, I'm, I'm likely to, to take notice of what other people think there because it would highlight to me that I was out of alignment with my own values. But if one or two people come forward and go, I disagree with this content, and yet I get an absolute avalanche for other people saying this has really helped me, then I'm going to be more focused on you know the people that are much more um, you know open to that type of uh, content and people where it's helping people. So if if you are somebody that's effectively holding yourself back because of other people's opinions, then it's it's underlined by other insecurities that you need to tackle yourself. And the solution is not to fix other people or to be this perfect person. It's actually to realize that it's it's inevitable, but changing how uh, responsive you are and how affected you are by those particular comments. I think that's um, what you've kind of touched upon there, the cognitive dissonance um, sort of effect um, is really, really important because it's about having, you know, and the key word you used was validation. Mm. If you if you only got one piece of data that is negative, but 20 pieces of data that are positive, it's really weird that people seem to kind of fall towards the negative one and they mm. almost ignore the 20, 20 pieces of um, positive feedback which they're getting. And it's that yeah. typical thing of, you know, a very, a very simple example of, sort of cognitive dissonance and this is not not business related necessarily is the whole smoking thing so mm. people know that smoking is bad for them yet they still smoke but their excuse or reason is that it helps them to alleviate stress but obviously they know that longer term it's killing them. And it's a little bit like that in business. You know, they, they know that they've got to take a little bit of, you've got to take a little bit of negative feedback every now and then. But if it's attracting, you know, like you said, a bucket load of the right sorts of prospects or clients into your business, then mm. that's just part par for the job. And, and I always say as well, like there is a reason why all social media channels have delete and block buttons. If somebody's trolling you, and giving you problems and it's bothering you, delete and block them. Just get them out of your life. You don't need those people because if you've got a group of raving fans, then that's a solid basis for growing a business on. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it's it's that is a solution to it. But I mean, I think it's the acceptance part of it as well that it's it's inevitable. The more you grow, the more visible you become. You're not going to please everybody. The 65 million people in the UK alone, or roughly. So to, to think that every single one of those people is going to look at my content and go, "This is brilliant," then obviously not, because other people. Other people almost enjoy living in the victim mindset. People don't actually want to take charge of their own life because the, there's something about it that keeps them safe by this situation that they're in being an impossible thing to fix. So anybody that comes along like myself that might challenge that belief system, that's going to trigger something in them that is more likely to make them defensive or to prove me wrong in some way. Because if they were to accept what I was saying, that that would force them that they actually do have control to do something about it. As long as they believe that they're, they're trapped and there's nothing they can do, and it's everybody else's fault and they're just the poor victim, then it's you know it's going to be harder for them to accept that. So I, because I understand that, then I, I'm less resilient to it. Now, don't get me wrong, if I got 5,000 emails in one day with everybody saying your content is horrendous, that's going to take a different level of resilience. But I'd still still compare it then to the people who I really am helping. 
And the thing that I love about what I do, it's not it's not just about gaining clients. It's not just about making the money from having one-to-ones. I, I love watching the transformation when I do get the opportunity to work with somebody one-to-one. But the amount of emails that I get of just general public of people saying, I've just watched this video and you've no idea how well time that was for me to hear today. That has helped me so much. Or this is really inspiring. Or I love the way you think. And I, I literally get hundreds of emails a week with people saying that. And, and if I'm just helping people, regardless of them converting into clients, then that's good enough for me. I know, I know that I'm doing something right. 100%. And I, I, I'm I, going to ask a, a slightly kind of pointy question now, because again, I think this is this is important in the, the business world that we live in at the moment. Do you think that because it's so easy now to set up a business or it's, it's so easy now to almost change career, um, yeah. to kind of move yourself up there. Do you think that there are people starting up businesses, um, who perhaps just aren't really cut out for it? And what, what sort of advice would you give somebody to kind of, you know, when they're first starting out a business, how would you get, how would you help them kind of to realize whether it's, it's the right thing for them to be doing? And I recognize this is a very, a very pointy question. So I'm just interested to hear what your answer is going to be. Mm. I think it's fair to say that not everybody's cut out for it, but more importantly, that's okay. There's no judgment here. It doesn't make you a better person if you are cut out for it or you're a worse person if you're not. I mean, everybody has different values, what's important to them. Uh, Some people are very risk-taking. Some people aren't, and that's okay. Um, So that's kind of my view on this in terms of um, people are ready for it or not. In terms of the people who – what would I – what was your question again? What what would I point out (laughs) – Sorry, I've missed. Yeah, how, how would you if, how would you identify you know whether whether you feel somebody has the resilience, you know, the grit, the determination to be able to set up a business and grow it and make it make it last a reasonable amount of time? Sure. Okay. So, in all honesty, I don't have a clear answer for that because I've never worked with somebody. My niche isn't helping people build their business. My niche is to help people once they've already got the business up and running that they're holding themselves back doing things to to stifle its growth. So that would be where I could help somebody. I don't really work with people who are who are launching it. However, if I were to stab a random answer at that, if I were to if I was working with somebody who wanted to launch their own business and um, but there was just blockages that are stopping them. The, the the way that I would measure that is how open they were to having a different mindset around it. So if they were just resistant to everything that we we went through in the coaching call, then there's only so much I can do. If they're absolutely stuck in their ways, I I can only do so much unless they're willing to be willing to get bloody uncomfortable because doing anything different means being willing to get uncomfortable. And a lot of a lot of coaching, my best. Well, all of my clients are willing to take action, but the clients that have the absolutely unbelievable impact are the ones that absolutely embrace just being willing to take that change and being willing to take the action. And if you're not willing to take that action, nothing's going to change. You're just going to sit there and think about it. Knowledge is great, but without action, knowledge is literally redundant. So if somebody is you know, struggling to kind of step outside their comfort zone and take that action. Is it, is it then that you just have that really super honest conversation with them? And do you tell them at that point that maybe they're just not, not cut out for it? It's never happened. It's never happened with me because I do quite a robust process before anybody would enroll with me as a client to make sure that they are willing to take action. We do a real deep dive, which I do in the clarity call, um, and just to understand where they are in their journey. Now, rather than being in part of a program and I've basically had to sack somebody, I've, I've never had that happen to me yet. Hopefully it never does happen. Um, but I have said to people in the initial 
stages that actually rather than to kind of take them on as a client i might say well let's let's speak again let's see if you can take this action during this week and almost basically test their their willingness to go and do something that proves that they're willing to take action and if the next time we speak that they they haven't taken that action then i won't take them on as a client one because i don't want anybody spending money that's going to be a waste of time for them and two i get a huge amount of satisfaction in the work that i do working with people that are going to take that action if they're not going to take it i can't i can't help them so it's only it's totally down to them and um i i can i'm going to be the same regardless of who you are so i i know that i can i can do a good job i've been well trained i'm good at what i do but similarly if you're not going to take the action i may as well be talking to the you know talking to the wall yeah and and that's the responsibility i think of the coach you know uh in order to be able to call out their clients when things like that happen and i've got a i've got a very clear cut example of that which um you know my program's 12 weeks it's a very limited sort of journey but people know what they're getting into when they come on to fearless business for example mm. um and i had somebody who basically took themselves out of the game for 2 weeks and they came back to me and said oh you know i'm i'm really struggling with x y and z can we have a can we have a turbo call so turbo call is the first bit of one-to-one time which you get on the program and i said to them well look you know you're you're an adult it was your choice to go and do this other thing for two weeks when you knew that you were committed for 12 weeks on this program um and i've noticed also that you haven't done x y and z so how about you just go and do this exercise go and do the goal setting exercise and the fear setting exercise like it's it's a probably a half hour maybe an hour's commitment to go re-go through and do reset the goals and i said then i'll do a turbo call with you and they didn't do the turbo call so i was just like cool you've chosen to take yourself out of the game there um and and it, it's hard. It's really, really hard because I know that person needs my help. But equally, they have to be willing to help themselves, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's slightly where ours, our, our work kind of goes a little bit different because the way that I've been trained is to really get into the, the, the nuts and bolts of why somebody's holding themselves back, like what type of things are coming up for them. And when they say, well, this happened, so what do you mean by that? Well, I wanted it to be like this. What do you mean by that? And actually, when you start breaking it down, the, the, the reasons that they've held themselves back actually hold no ground and they start realize, realizing that it wasn't logical. It was just their their belief system that they'd learned to think in that particular way for so long. But actually, when it's almost like a, a tree of self-doubt. You start ripping off those branches one by one. You're just left with the trunk in the middle and they start realizing that it actually wasn't what they first thought. And that that's the piece where the, 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 the deep dive confidence coaching comes into it because it's all around the mindset and understanding the way people think and what blockages they've created and imaginarily in their own head in order to stop them doing the thing that they really want to do. So um, in in the world that I live in, I generally don't say, right, well, you need to do this. It's I, I never advise somebody, never just sit there and say, this is how you do it. It's much more about what what's your belief around it? And then I'll, I'll just dig and dig and dig until the end of it. People are like, oh my God, I now realize that everything I believed was flawed. <laughs> and that's yeah. when you can start taking action because the 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 blockage is being removed because they realize in clearly in their own brain that it actually wasn't even true or reality i i think it's incredibly powerful as well uh, i'm i'm curious um i'm going to rewind the clock a little bit if that's okay but what um because your coaching practice is fairly new isn't it so what was the point where you kind of decided to take that leap of faith and and change the way that you help people Mm. So the coaching, my coaching practice has been around now for about just under a year, um, but I've been involved in coaching for a really long time before then. So the, the desire to do this on on my own was there for a number of, I want to say years probably, but probably about two or three years. And I really started thinking I could, I would love to do this to help other people. Um, and I think that was my, it was just 
it was going to be a combat what it turned out to be sorry a combination of a number of different things one the burning desire just wouldn't go away and i know myself well enough is that when i get an idea in my head and it doesn't go away it's something i've got to do i always have these l- lovely little ideas and if they just come and go out of my brain again the, the probably where it's just a nice little that would have been nice kind of thought but when something keeps coming back and just won't leave my brain then it no, I, I know it's something i've got to follow through with um and then i think it was almost the, the trigger point of I crave the freedom of having my own, managing my own time. I, I love helping other people. So the reward that I get from doing my day-to-day job is just beyond anything that I've experienced before in terms of a day-to-day satisfaction. I got tired of sitting in, you know, I had to I had to get up at the same time every day, walk my dog in the same place every day. I had to, you know, sit in the same traffic every day with the same people every day, do the same thing at work every day. And I actually used to enjoy my corporate job. It wasn't that I hated it, but it was just, they just got to a point when I was like, it's now or never like I'm nearly 40 years old I've got to take this leap or I'm going to be thinking about it forever so I just I literally you know I resigned and I was I threw myself at it straight away so it was full-blown right into it really a lot of people start um I did have kind of some bit of clients on the side but I wasn't charging for those clients it was almost like um pro bono clients just to see I could actually do this and I was having an impact I was like okay I'm having the impact and seeing the benefits of the the work that I can do let's complete my training let's go at this and just see what happens and you know just I just had to do it there was I just couldn't move away from not doing it it just became an it was non-negotiable in my own brain really and and what have you got um planned coming up yeah, God, loads. And that's one of my, probably one of my own development areas. I'm trying to do everything all at once because I get so excited about everything. Um, but I, w- I want to get more into podcasts. It's something that I really haven't explored. I, you know, I listen to podcasts. I've, I've been invited onto podcasts like this. Um, I want to start doing my own because I think that would be a really useful way to help people. Um, I'm about to launch a mini program that will help a different kind of level of people. So I generally work with professionals now that I've been part of the career for a long time. So I work with a lot of senior people. I've got some MDs. I've got some CFOs. I've got um, a, a couple of entrepreneurs. And I work with people that are really quite ambitious and already being very successful and generally already quite confident, but they just want to take it to the next level. But what dawned on me is that I was having a lot of people either of um, more of the entry level, <clears throat> excuse me, in their career or people that maybe lost the job and lost a load of confidence or they, they were really struggling with the confidence around interviewing. So the mini program I've got coming up, um, literally going to be launched in about probably a month to six weeks, is basically helping people because my background is recruitment. Like I was head of resource for a couple of different businesses, done it for 15 years. So I'm going to help people have the confidence, A, to write a killer CV, how to make the LinkedIn profile really well uh, compelling basically um go through a mock interview process with them so they can have the confidence of knowing what to expect me go into an interview and how to absolutely nail it and then i'm going to do a whole session as well around mindset so people can overcome the nerves prior to going to an interview so it's basically having the confidence around that um how to get into employment or how to re-get into employment again um and then my long-term program that i'm looking towards is basically for people that really want to work with me but generally just can't afford it you know like coaching some people can afford it some people can't and i want to be able to offer those people a a second option as well where there's a there's a group piece they maybe get a couple of one-to-ones but they'll have group coaching sessions on a weekly basis but they'll go into like a, a member site and they'll have absolutely shitloads of content in there around everything that i try and promote now it's not quite going to be quite as powerful as working with me one-to-one for a number of months but it might be the next best thing if they like what i do so that's another thing that i'm looking into as well and that's more of a long-term plan 
Cool. I, I think I like the sound of you um, delivering a podcast and hearing, you know, potentially hearing about sort of the value which you can deliver there. And then I wonder where it sounds like almost you need to get a book out as well. <laughs> yeah, a few people have said that, but at the moment I just have to prioritize. Otherwise, I just swap myself and get overwhelmed. I have to prioritize what I'm capable of doing. But yeah, I'd love to write a book. And given I'm dyslexic, the thought of me years ago saying to myself, yeah, you're going to write a book. It would have just been the most far-fetched thought in the world. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely warming to me that it was something I'd really enjoy doing. Well, the, the technology's out there now, so you could actually um, dictate it, you know, record it, and then um, get it transcribed using a website like Rev.com or something like that. And so, yeah. you know, let somebody else take care of the the, the writing piece, and uh, you know, <laughs> you just get the the, the high quality content out there. Mm. Um, you know, that's what the method which I've used to write a couple of my books, um, and it's it just it actually is much quicker than sitting down with a, a laptop and typing the whole thing out. Um, so that, that might be something to consider. Just a little little bonus tip there for you actually um, the second person say that to me it's absolutely it's uh, potentially on the radar <laughs> do it you've got to do it otherwise i always say that if you've got a book in you it's selfish not to write it <laughs> interesting <laughs> and i think that was actually what um brought us together in the first place i read your book didn't i or we, we spoke you and you said oh here's the book and it was uh it's good i really enjoyed it i blasted through it in a day and i was like okay we, let's um let's talk let's get going <laughs> so, absolutely yeah i mean well that, i mean that was because i have similar sorts of values to you you know in terms of the volume of people i want to help um and it, it's like when you're working with to, with clients on a one-to-one basis um you only have so many hours in the day so many hours in the week to be able to sort of deliver like really impactful coaching and so things like the book and the podcast um and the social posts and lead magnets and things like that that i put out there the free facebook group i mean they're, they're all designed to help the people who couldn't necessarily afford it but then there always begs a question like you know really when it comes down to coaching it's like that that you know if Carlsberg did coaching (laughs) type thing um you know money should be no object I feel in self-development I don't know what your thoughts are on that well, in terms of what people should spend on themselves, you mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like we are our most valuable asset. We should be investing in ourselves, you know, not necessarily, I, I don't believe necessarily in investing in things like cars and expensive watches and stuff like that. Those come as a byproduct of success. Mm. So surely we should be investing in ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that the, the difficulty is when you're working with somebody, um, well, there's two, there's two angles to this. Firstly, if you're, I'm dealing with people who maybe have confidence issues or even if they are confident, they, they want to take it to the next level. But if you've got lower confidence, you're starting at a, a more um, challenging part of your journey. And the concept of spending money on yourself is the blockage. It's not really about the money. You know, if people would probably spend the same amount of money on a holiday or, you know, which is probably one or two weeks long, or they spend the same amount of money on a car or something, which might last them a few years. But it's actually that the blockage actually is the self-worth around do I – do I deserve having spending this money on myself? Like I don't feel that I'm worth that money. And that it then becomes the actual issue we need to, to work around. Um, and secondly, what was the other point I was going to make? In terms of spending money on yourself, it's very hard to measure because a lot of people, when they're buying a car or when they're buying a house, or when they're buying a TV, they look at that and they can see a material thing that is um, almost like a visible thing. It's like if I spend this money, I get that. But if you haven't gone through the journey of going from a place where you're not maybe as confident as you like to be to where you are, very confident it's hard to see the impact and the 
the, the measurement point of what it's actually going to be like when you get there. And almost everybody that I've worked with, um, people that have taken massive action have come back and said, if I knew it was going to be like this, I'd have paid you 10 times what I paid you. But they didn't have that measure, measurement point at the very beginning because maybe they didn't believe that they could make the changes or they didn't, you know, they didn't have the belief that actually this was possible for them. So um, it, when people get to the end, they have a much clearer measurement point of like, okay, now I get it. And the beauty of this stuff, it, it never stops. Like you might have a massive change after working with me for a number of months. But if we speak again in two years' time, your bandwidth of comfort zone will have expanded so much more because you'll carry on taking risks. You'll carry on knowing how to deal with conflict. You'll know how to deal with a situation that you've, you normally would have felt stuck in. And therefore, you, you, the, almost like the horizon of where you can become fearless continues to expand and continues to get higher, which is why it never stops. Um, I will never stop having coaching. I'll never stop self-development. I, I'm obsessed with it, but my life is just getting happier, better, more confident, even now, even though I'm a confidence coach. Absolutely. I, and I kind of, um, I like the analogy of the TV. It's kind of like, you know, when somebody has to have the TV in order to validate themselves or validate, you know, who they are as a person, it's actually much more powerful to know that if you wanted it, you could have it, but you don't actually need it. Mm. Um, I, I always have this argument with my, you know, argument, uh, conversation with my wife <laughs> about sort of, you know, my pub related habits. And I say to her, look, I don't have to go down the pub all the time. I just want to know that it's okay that I could go if I wanted to. Sure. Um, you know, when you're busy, like with a family and things like that, it's kind of like, you just got to, it's about getting that balance right, isn't it? But it's, it's the intrinsic, like the intangible stuff that is much more important to take control of than, than the tangible stuff actually going out and buying the tv um cool well we're kind of coming to coming to drawing to a close i think in the interview now so i have one question which i close which i ask every um every guest on the fearless business podcast so i'm gonna i'm gonna put you into the um uh the fearless business time machine now angie and send you back 10 years (laughs) and you're gonna go and meet your previous um previous self 10 years ago um during that conversation you're gonna give um Angie, minus 10 years, um, some advice. What what advice would you give her? Oh, my God. Okay, so probably the worst pa- person to ask this question because 10 years ago, I was a completely different person. Like, I wouldn't even recognize the old me. Um, I guess the, the part for me 10 years ago is probably when I was at the, the – I'd done a lot of self-development prior to that. I've always been involved in self-development and read pretty much every book in the world on it. Having said that, 10 years ago, I think was my – my turning point of really throwing myself at like, let's actually get this shit sorted. And the thought of being that person again, would it makes me skin crawl or that, that the way that I spend every single day, like in a state of, you know, just being scared of things or just not being sure of what other people think of me and worried about everything I do. And I think the biggest advice I would give is probably more along the reassurance that it's not going to be like this forever. Every day isn't always going to be painful for you. Every day isn't always going to be a battle for you. And I'd almost like want to tell them that this is what you're going to be doing in 10 years' time. I might have not even believed it. (laughs) You know, but at the same time, the advice is probably would have been everything's going to be okay. Like just, you know, just keep playing, do what you're doing. It's not going to be easy. Reassuring myself that actually this journey that you're about to really heavily embark on isn't something that you're just going to wake up one day and it's all fixed. And it's not just going to be a walk in the park. There's going to be bloody hard moments and it's really going to scare you at times. But actually, if you're willing to go through those, those times when you push through your, your fear zone, then the, the outcome is going to be astronomical in terms of how much happier and, and more healthy balanced life that you're going to lead. And every day just becomes so much more fulfilling because I'm living by my values, which I, I historically never used to do. So 
I think they just, yeah, just keep going. I, I don't even know how really to answer that because I was just a different person so massively 10 years ago. So, um, well, I think, I think most people will, um, definitely that will resonate with, with them. Cause I think that's probably true for a lot of us. And I think you actually did an, an extremely good uh, job of answering the question. So don't, <laughs> don't worry about that. Um, you mentioned about sort of your, your, your self personal development journey. Um, you know, even going back to the 10 years or so, but are there any, um, books or podcasts that kind of stand out for you that you feel would really be helpful to the listeners? Yeah, God, the millions. How long have you got? Um, okay, so no, I'm not going to be too long. But I think um, there's a book I've just, a lot of, just to be ready, like the books that I read seem to have a swear word in the title. So these are the ones that I've read recently that are awesome, like in the last few years. There's one that's recently been released by Gary John Bishop um, around self-sabotage called Stop Doing That Shit. That's really good. Mark Manson nice. writes some awesome books called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. He's just released another one called Everything is Fucked. Um, and I, I love Brene Brown. I love the fact that she embraces vulnerability and authenticity and debt. Lead is a really good one for leadership and understanding how to ma- like how to manage and motivate other people through vulnerability and um, like just motivation really. Um, there's another one called by Gay Hendricks called The Big Leap, and that basically talks oh, about your brilliant book. Yes, awesome, isn't it? Where it talks about your upper limit and recognizing your upper limit and how you basically once you go beyond that, you start self sabotaging. So that was. An awesome, awesome book. So, yeah, the, the Four Hour Work Week for Entrepreneurs is an excellent book as well. That was when it really kicked me up the arse to stop believing that I had to do everything to manage my own business. So, I started outsourcing a lot of writing or I outsourced my social media to um, different people. I've now hired a VA to help me with my admin. And although it's cost me a bit more money, like just again, the anxiety that I'm never really had massive anxiety about it, but it used to be bloody stressful trying to do everything and it was just unrealistic. So, outsourcing sourcing some of my work has been huge and I think that book was a big trigger for that as well so have you read that book the four hour work week yeah I have absolutely I mean I'm, I'm a very big fan of like one of the reasons why people you know coaches consultants don't tend to let go is because actually they're perfectionists and mm. they feel that by giving it to somebody else that it's not going to be as good as they they could possibly do the work yes. and um yeah. i'm a big fan of prolific beats perfect every single time so if you can build a team and just get more content out help more people like the world is a much better place sure and i think that the final one i'd also recommend is one um by professor stephen peters a, a book called the chimp paradox and yep. it connects quite a lot with the work that i do people's defensive reactions the way people see the world and he i haven't finished the book yet i only started it i don't know a couple of weeks ago um but it, it basically captures in there the way that our mind works and actually a lot of our reaction um our reactions to things are actually partly built in biologically because it would you know we originated from apes etc and chimps um but it's we can actually manage that a lot more so we can just lead a lot more balanced life and not be some just a bunch of reactive people you, know, you see it with road rage for example or you see it when people get so defensive unnecessarily um, that's basically what he calls your chimp being released and it's not about controlling your chimp it's about managing your chimp and it's very uh, um, has a huge overlap with the work that i do with my, my clients as well he's um it's a fantastic book and he's actually just released um a version of that book for children so i'm in the process of reading that through with my five-year-old poppy um and she it's really cool because it kind of um it has like four different characters in it and they've all they've all got their their inner chimps which we have to name so poppy's um chimp is called nutmeg um and every time like you you kind of go through all the different behavior patterns which kind of children typically demonstrate and they're obviously much more 
sometimes you feel like children are quite complex. Actually, it's much more simple than hum- uh, adults, adult humans. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so quite often when she's behaving like nut- nutmeg, I'm just going to give her a little bit of a wink and just say, hey, is that poppy or nutmeg that's acting like that? <laughs> she knows. And it's just, it. but it's a really subtle, it's just a nice way of doing it. And because we've read the story together, like there's there's um, lots of extras it. that you get. Yeah, she understands it and there's connection. We can kind of talk around different scenarios and stuff like that. And she's been really, like one of the things that the book's excellent is drawing out so she'll talk about like she'll bring examples in from school or from clubs that she's been to or various different things like her experiences with my youngest Sophie or stuff like that she'll actually bring that in which normally it's a real struggle to kind of get those more emotive kind of things out of her so Mm. I'm a big fan of um, Stephen Peter's work I think he's an absolute genius yeah he's very very good and I think that the the stuff that I like about um, the work that I do and it kind of overlaps again with the chimp paradox is a lot of people think that it's wrong to feel sad or it's wrong to feel anxious or it's wrong to feel something actually our bodies are a very powerful way to communicate with us and often when we're feeling something but we're unsure of what it is is our body's way of saying you're ignoring something that's going on and you're you know you're basically suppressing something that you need to listen to and if you're not going to listen mentally I'm going to show up physically so it's not about you know never getting anxiety I'm not trying to promote this false image that I never get nervous or I never get anxious or I never get sad about things that wouldn't make me human that would make me a robot but it actually it what it then does is highlights was actually there's something that you're, you're you're not doing here there's something that you're missing here and then once you can actually embrace the thing that is making you anxious the anxious the anxiety goes away it's when people ignore it that the anxiety then gets distorted and, and starts manifesting so it's okay to have these feelings it's it's un like it's unnatural not to have them but then it's how you how you listen to them and how you cope with them that becomes a key, like the key thing of actually making it a fulfilling life Hundred percent. I, I think um, a lot of adults sometimes forget that as well. Like we we do end up behaving a bit like robots a lot yeah. of the time, yeah. and so sometimes it's just we need a coach. We need somebody like you, Angie, to kind of just help <laughs> us point these things out from time to time. Like that's that's what it's all about, you know. And this is how we ultimately become better human beings. Um, Cool. Well, I've 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 um, thoroughly enjoyed um, your interview, Angie. Um, I'm sure our listeners will have got a ton of value out of that. Um, and um, you've talked about kind of what's coming up next. Obviously, I'm super excited. You're going to be a um, one of our speaker guest speakers at the local networking event, Stroudnet, which um, which I run as well in September, which is just absolutely awesome. Super excited to have you along there. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, um, how how can they do that? Sure. So through the usual um, social media channels, really, the the main one I'm on is LinkedIn. Um, So just under my name, Angie McQuillan, Confidence and Career Success Coach. Exactly the same title on Facebook. Um, I think I'm under Angie McQuillan Coach on Instagram. And although Instagram is a platform I don't use as much, although um, it's on the radar, I'm going to outsource that to an Instagram specialist. Um, and then similarly, I've got a website, so that's just www.myname.com, so nice and straightforward, where if people want some more detail around what exact work I do, kind of some testimonials, what my story is, what my journey has been, and um, yeah, just like how FAQs, for example, how the programs work, then it's all on my website as well. 
Cool. And it sounds like um, everybody should dive in. If you're doing videos regularly on LinkedIn, everybody should dive in and just um, follow you on LinkedIn and make sure they check out some of those videos. I've watched a few and they're incredibly insightful. Um, I've learned it's amazing that you can put that level of high quality content out for free and how you help people. I think it's just fantastic. So keep on keep on doing that, Angie. Thank you. And that that's the main motive. It, it, you know, I run a business. I just love helping people and I help a lot more people than I work with one to one. I've got a, a decent client base don't get me wrong but i literally help hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of people by posting videos and that is just so rewarding in its own right so um i'm not going to stop doing that because i get so much satisfaction out of doing it cool maybe, maybe time to start a youtube channel as well already got that a good point although Ooh. i don't really get much traffic through it so I, I i've let it slip a little bit i think there's about 10 15 videos on there i've got a load more i can add to it but um it, it hasn't really taken off me which is fine like i'm okay with that but i think where i went wrong i was trying to be massive presence everywhere i shouldn't do youtube facebook instagram linkedin and i was spreading myself too thin so i just prioritized two platforms and then as they continue to grow, then I'll probably get some, I'll probably refocus on uh, YouTube as well. Gosh, that's actually like a super insightful nugget to close with because it's, again, it's something which I recommend to a lot of people. Don't try and be all things to all men because mm. you just end up helping nobody. So like you've just said there, yep, focus on one or two platforms, get them absolutely nailed and then move on to the next one. I think that's a cracking, cracking nugget there to um, to, to finish. Um, awesome. Angie, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you ever so much for being a guest on the Fearless Business Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it.